we engage with other believers in the body of Christ. That's why the sermon today is called Don't Neglect to Connect. Don't Neglect to Connect. Now, a, a study just done uh, by the, the State of American Friendship, uh, by the, uh, the Survey Center of American Life in 2021, said Americans are getting lonelier. In 2021, 12% of US adults said they don't have any close friends. That's literally no close friends. They say if, when you have something going on in your life and you need to talk to somebody, who can you go to? 12% of Americans said, I have no one, no one. That's up from 3% 30 years ago. And social disconnection, which is rising across all age groups, appears to have worsened after 2012, which is when smartphones and social media became virtually ubiquitous. An international study of high school students found in between 2012 and 2018, in other words, that's before COVID, school loneliness increased in 36 of 37 countries. You thought it was hard when you were a teenager. It's worse today. School loneliness is on the increase. And it's affecting all ages. Now, it has long been known, this is according to Dr. Gina Simmons from Psychology Today, it's long been known that a community of supportive relationships improves our quality of life and can even help us recover from illnesses and surgery. Regular interaction with a wide variety of social ties, both weak and strong, fortifies our satisfaction and a rich diversity of ties provides more significant benefits to well-being. There's a fascinating study out there. I didn't have time to get through all the studies, but I was reading up this week. There's a fascinating study out there about just casual social interactions. The, the person who does your hair, the, you know, people go sit at Starbucks just because there's people around them. Even the casual, the distant connections with somebody. If you never saw the guy who served you your coffee again, it, it's not going to impact, you know, you're not going to die. But, but just that, hey, you walk in and somebody knows you and they go, hey, you can have your usual. And just that interaction does powerful good for people. Never mind the connections that we make where we have deep and meaningful relationships. But can college said studies have shown a correlation between physical well-being and your social circle? Having good friends is clinically proven to improve your mental well-being and your physical health. Keeping a good friendship circle can also encourage you to avoid unhealthy lifestyle habits such as excessive drinking. The Mayo Clinic said adults with strong social connections have a reduced risk of many significant health problems, including depression, high blood pressure, unhealthy body mass, mass, sorry, uh, mass index. Um, in fact, studies have found uh, that older adults who have meaningful relationships and social support are likely to live longer than their peers with fewer connections. Now, there are a couple of, the, and so I, I'm just... I'm just trying to give you some a sense of this uh, because this is, not, this is not me making stuff up. This is across the board from many different studies. And this is not, the, the data on this is pretty clear everywhere. Yeah, you can go find it out. But basically, there are some good things that happen. Um, number one is that 50% increased chance of longevity. Live longer if you have good friendships. You have stronger gene expression for immunity. You have lower rates of anxiety and depression. You have higher self-esteem and empathy. Now, isn't that interesting? Somebody's being all grumpy. You go, you seriously need to get some friends because you are just being, you have no empathy. You have better emotion regulation skills. 
And your social connection creates a positive feedback loop of social, emotional, and physical well-being. If you engage regularly with a, with a committed group of friends, those are the benefits. We're not talking spiritual yet. We haven't even we haven't begun to touch what, what happens on the inside of you spiritually, which is where the real power lies. But this is just what, what scientists are going, that's what happens. That's what the studies show. The negative is that it's worse for your health than smoking, high blood pressure, or obesity. You have a higher inflammation at the cellular level. Your higher susceptibility to anxiety and depression. You have slower recovery from disease. You have an increased antisocial behavior and violence, and you're more prone to suicide. Makes you want to walk up to somebody and say, will you be my friend? I need... <laughs> Ecclesiastes says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity the one who falls and has no one to help them. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Community apparently affects our workplace. He said they have a better return on their labor. Community helps us when we fall because all of us need somebody around us to show tenderness in our weak moments when we're down. I don't need somebody to kick me when I'm down. I need somebody who shows me tenderness. That tenderness, I don't care who you are, that tenderness means so much if you're down. And if you're standing around somebody who is down, just a smallest effort on your behalf can mean so much to them. We can extend warmth when people are feeling cold. I'm amazed at the power of a warm welcome. The powerful actions of somebody who welcomes you into the group. We all know what it's like to come in and to be standing there and feel like a spare part and then somebody walks up and goes, hi, welcome, come let me introduce you. So good to have you. Suddenly I'm in. Suddenly I'm part of something. Because somebody else showed me a tiny kindness. And it is so easy. It's not like this is rocket science. This is something that is right here at the tip of our fingers, at the edge of our tongue. We can, we can step out and do this so easily for one another. And it has such a powerful repercussion. Someone else should defend me rather than myself. And this idea of a cord of three strands, this covenantal relationship, man, it's hard to break. It's a thing of beauty when it works. Let me take you back to some studies. Blood pressure reactivity is lower when people talk to a supported friend rather than a friend whom they feel ambivalent about. Your blood pressure goes down. Participants who have a friend by their side while completing a tough task have less heart rate reactivity than those who worked alone. In one study, people judged a hill to be less steep when they were accompanied by a friend. Isn't that amazing? Just going up the hill with a friend. Say, how steep was that? Oh, it wasn't bad. Walk, the people walking alone. Say, are you mad? I've got to walk this again. <laughs> That's according to the American Psychological Association. Scientists studying friendship have found similar brain activity among friends in the regions of the brain responsible for a certain range of functions. Motivation, reward, identity, and sensory processing. 
when Wheatley and her colleagues collected fMRI data on people in a social network, closer friends had more similar brain activities when watching a series of video clips. In other words, they hung out together, and they put them, all, put them on him, and they, and they watched the video clips, and they thought the same. Jesus modeled this for us. If there was anybody you'd think that came to the earth that didn't need somebody else, it would have been Jesus. But Jesus constantly models this for us. Every time we turn around, he's at a meal with somebody. He's called a friend of sinners. He was sought after by the crowds. He was approached by individuals. He ate formal meals and informal meals. Jesus was connected with people all the time. And the Bible says he appointed 12 to come to be with him. And then he designated them as apostles. But the primary and first call was, come and follow me. Come be with me. And we have some people going, yeah, I don't think, I'm not going to prioritize the crowd. I don't really need the friendship thing. I'm a little tired right now. I can go and be with some people, but I, I want you to say, it doesn't really affect me. Um, I, I, I can hang out with unbelievers and I can, I can spend my time you know, at the local pub and it, it, doesn't, it doesn't impact me. But I want to say that who we do life with affects us powerfully. Who, who you do life with affects you powerfully. Who do you do life with? Corinthians 15 says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. It was the King James, the New King James says, evil company corrupts good habits. I don't, it doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how gifted you are. If you do life with people who are of questionable morality, they will impact your life. They will affect you negatively. You will start to align your thoughts, naturally start to align with them. You, you pick up their humor. You, uh, you begin to assimilate their value system. It is just the inevitable reality. We need to connect with people who are on fire for God. This is why we say that what you get saved into is more important than what you get saved out of. Because what you get saved into will affect you. It'll affect your temperature for God. It'll affect your expectations of his kingdom. It'll create a desire in you to go and serve and do something powerful. Paul said, I want you to explode. I want ministry to come out of you. He said, I, I want God's reward to come on your life. He, so he said, it's not that I'm, I'm asking for you to give me gifts. He said, I'm, I'm eager to, to see what can be credited to your account. I'm, I'm looking for ways that I can motivate you so that God could reward you more. The simple truth is reaching the heights that God has called you to scale is going to need a team, a specific special team dedicated with you to the same pursuit. This life we're called to live is a team sport. It is not an individual race. We need one another. In a building or a temple, every brick needs to be surrounded by six others. In a body, all the mem members function when they're found operating well in their space, connected to the rest of the body. Every time the scripture talks about us in community, it always puts us in one of those two 
two areas and you cannot see that the life of God or the sustenance of the building is maintained by one single part. The beauty of what happens, the, 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 the building or the body which contains the Spirit of God is always presented in a plural form. Sure, the Holy Spirit lives in you and that's profoundly beautiful for you. But God wants to live among us. The moving of the Spirit of God among us. People directed by the Holy Spirit so that there is no one who comes into this meeting. If they're feeling down, the Holy Spirit will direct somebody to love them and to share with them and to encourage them. And everybody, because the body begins to work like the body should. We're all waiting to standing back and saying, Holy Spirit, do, do the work. And he's going, yes, I want to use you to do the work. Make sense? Say, Lord, love him. He goes, okay, go, go give him a hug. I don't want to hug him. <laughs> Provide for him, Lord. Well, why don't you give him a couple hundred bucks? Oh. Now you're messing with my... Lord goes, how do you think this works? Give him peace, Lord. He said, okay. Go and share with him that thing that I told you. Go and pray with him. Right? It takes a body. And somehow we feel like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scale Everest and, and go, well, that's wonderful. But everybody who scales Everest needs a team around them. It didn't happen by yourself. Who you do life with will affect you. Choose wisely. Find yourself a group of people who love Jesus. And it genu- I don't, you don't have to find spectacular people. You don't have to find hugely gifted people. It's not like I, if, if there was a, a group and they had all these superstars in it, well, I would attend that group. No, you wouldn't because you'd feel out. <laughs> Honestly. It's ordinary people like us that the Holy Spirit loves to use because when the body of Christ comes together in whatever fashion and you begin to meet in His name, His love, His peace, His joy, His wisdom, His nourishment begins to flow. And I watch people, and it's the weirdest thing because you don't always feel that nourishment flowing into your life. You don't always feel it. But you, but you stand with other believers and somebody reads a scripture that, hey, I, found, I read this this week, and it just speaks something. It just adds a nutrient. It just delivers something into your spirit that settles you a little bit more. And somebody else prays a prayer and it just intrigues you and you go, oh, there's it. And then the grace of God and you worship together and you feel your spirit touched and some of that pressure that was on you just dissipates. And you come away from the meeting and it's hard to define how the Lord used the body of Christ, but something has happened on the inside of you and you're feeling stronger and more vital and more encouraged and a greater sense of peace. Suddenly you're hugging your wife on the way home and gentler with your kids and it's this imperceptible nutrient that gets formed in your life. But when you stop that and you pull away, that nutrient slowly dissolves out of people's lives. And I watch people who pull back from the body of Christ. I watch this thing happening in they become malnourished in the spirit it's a weird thing because they don't feel it and then next thing you know they're doing some idiotic thing that you go you they would never have considered but they pulled back from that which was being the nutrient in their life pouring life and energy and grace into them so we're in I go yep the truth is though that community requires commitment. 
We don't slide into good places randomly. A healthy body requires good food and a healthy lifestyle and regular exercise. A fit body requires even more deliberate exercise. You don't slide into a fit body. You earn a fit body. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't, I started swimming a while back. I, I swim three times a week. On the way early in the morning to the swimming pool, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> I know I'm going to have to get up and dive into cold water and swim for half an hour. That never feels good on the way to the pool. <laughs> but I do that because I understand that is a necessary practice if I want some of the health benefits. You don't slide into community, it takes commitment. If somebody said, I tell you what, I'll go swimming when I feel like it. How many of you know, I'm not gonna swim very much. People go, you know, I'm a little busy right now, but if I can make it, I'll get to the community group. You know you won't, no you won't. Because it's not going to feel like the most urgent thing in your life. It really isn't going to feel urgent. But can I say it's probably one of the most important things in your life. Getting into community takes effort, planning, commitment. And it doesn't bother me at all if, you, if you're driving to the community group and you go, man, I really don't feel like doing this tonight. Yeah, yeah. That's... I don't feel like swimming. But it's worth the cost. Because Hebrews 10 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. So you go, okay, if I'm going to commit, what does it mean? Well, when I commit, the Bible says, consider others. This is a fascinating thing for me because I go, um, see, Hebrew says, listen, I want you to consider how you can spur other people on. And so many times I hear people go, well, I went there and I didn't get anything. I go, yeah, because if you, if you want to start the flow of God pouring into your life, you have to give something. That's the way it works. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, running, poured back into you. Well, I went there and I didn't get anything. I think I know why. Let us consider how we can go spur other people on. Because there's something that happens when I come with that wiring. Okay, I'm, in, I'm coming to the meeting. Who do you want me to minister to, Lord? Who can I give something to? Who can I create shiny eyes with? Is there a word you have for somebody here? Is there a scripture I can share? Is there somebody you want me to minister to? Do I need to take time with somebody, Lord? I'm coming to give. 
Philippians 2 adds a similar thing. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility consider others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In the relationships with one another, have the same mindset as that of Jesus, who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself a servant and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. And that's why God has highly exalted him to the highest place. Because he took that attitude. And when Paul's writing here, he says, when you come together in your relationships with one another, take the same attitude as Jesus. Come to serve. Consider others. Consider, put some effort into thinking about others and their need. What is most beneficial to these people? How can I best bring the strengths on my life? How can I pray for them? How can I inspire hope? How can I encourage them? I come with this idea to deliberately spur other people on. I am armed and powerful. Because when I show up to spur others on, it awakens the part of me that comes alive to God and is itself then open to receiving other people spurring on in encouragement. Something happens on the inside of me. Somehow that decision to bless and consider others unlocks something deep within me. It helps me feel alive to God. Michelle, I get home from swimming. Michelle says, how was it? I said, it was horrible. <laughs> so glad I did it. How can I help this brother or sister grow and go on to love and good deeds? Because he said, consider this. How can you spur other people on towards love? How can you help them love one another? How can you help them Get up and go do some good things. So I want to suggest when you make this commitment, I'm in. I'm going to commit. Next time you hear somebody say, well, you know, it doesn't, I don't, it doesn't really do a thing for me. And you just go, yeah, but I'm, it's not really, that's not the attitude. That's not what the Bible says. Let us consider how we can bless other people and spur other people on. That's the attitude. And that's the one you need. And you say, okay, well then what's the, what's the next thing? Well, if you're going to commit, you have to keep meeting. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. I don't care how gifted and how great a meeting was. One meeting a year is not going to do it. One meal a month is not going to build you need regularity. You need to stay in it. You need to keep going. It's not having one great meeting that's going to change everybody's life. It's the average of all the meetings that changes lives incrementally. Because every week I come and there's more nutrient and there's more faith and there's more hope and there's more comfort and there's more protection and I start to believe and I start to breathe and people start to grow with me. Let's not give up meeting as some are in the habit of doing. <laughs> oh. There's just something to be said for steadfast people. And boy... 
If you'd have known me 30 years ago, you would have laughed out loud that I was preaching this message because I was bouncing all over the show, too busy to stay in one place, so excited by the multiple things that I was doing. But there's something about somebody being reliable. They're going to show up, and they're going to show up right, and they're going to minister, and they're not going to back down, and they're going to be dependable. You know, one of the things that I'm most grateful to the Lord about is that he never changes. The, the, the theological doctrine of the immutability of God, that he, he never changes. He cannot change. If God changed, it would be diminishment. God is perfect in every way, in every conceivable way, so he never changes. And it's that dependability of God that he never changes. He's always faithful. He's always loving. You can always count on everything he says. I love that about God. And even though we bounce back and forth and we come and go and we're not always faithful and we're not always true, he always is. And I love him for that because that's why he's a rock. That's why he's a fortress. I can always come back to him. Praise his name. Thirdly, when you commit, encourage one another. Let us consider how we may spur one on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting as some in the habit of doing but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. I don't know, um, and I don't need to know, your circumstances in the room, but this I do know. You need encouragement. And your encouragement needs to come from somebody else. You can encourage yourself in the Lord as David did. You can say you're doing a great job or, hey, I really appreciate you and I recognize that what you've done. But when somebody else comes and says, hey, I just want to encourage you. When you said that, when you did that, that just changed something in me and I'm just so grateful to you for it. Keep doing that because God's put his hand on that in your life. And I know because it just ministered to me. Take you... 20 seconds to say and maybe 60 seconds to plan. It's a minute and a half of your time to change somebody's life, to inject courage and hope and confidence. They're going to dine out on the thing that you said that took you 20 seconds to say and one minute to plan. They'll dine out on it for months. The exponential power of encouragement is ridiculous. It has an it's, it's unbelievable return. I dare you. I dare you. Or the triple dog dare, you know, the, the, like I dare you to go to somebody this week and just speak out an encouragement. You say, you know, what you do, let me just take a moment. Every now and again, I walk into somebody's office here and just stop. I just, I just need you to know I'm so appreciative of what you do. You do that, and that we can't live without that. And we, we just, I'm just so grateful you're on the team. Took 15 seconds to say, one minute to plan, and it changes the atmosphere. If you go and you get engaged in a journey group and you come like this, life, life, all over the place. People think life comes from the pulpit. No, equipping comes from the pulpit. Life comes from the body. That's where the power is. It's in your hands, in your heart. And you have to show up. Don't give up meeting. Show up. And 
encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Let me close with this. When you do show up in community, take care what you add to the pot. Now we have to be careful here because some of you are thinking, I don't have anything to give. They probably don't want me there. If that's what you're thinking, just don't listen to the next two minutes because this will freak you out, make you not want to come. We need you. We need you come. There's a story in 2 Kings 4. Basically, the, uh, Elijah's there, Elisha, and there's a famine. And there's a bunch of people, prophets, come around. And he says, let's make some stew. And so they bring out all the, the stuff they've got. And some of the guys go out into the fields to look around and see if there's anything they can add to the pot. And the one guy sees these gourds that are considered... This, in, in that area, there's two different types. One is you know, uh, a vegetable you can eat, and one uh, looks very similar, but it, it makes the pot very bitter. And if you eat too much of it, you could die. But it gives you just really terrible diarrhea if you eat a little bit of it, but if you eat too much of it, you'll die. So he goes out and he picks this, and it, he thinks it's, the, it's, you know, it's whatever it was, and it's the other thing. And so they, he chops it. He comes there, and nobody sees him, and he just chops it up and puts it all in the stew pot, the same pot everybody's stirring. And then they all start eating, and they taste it, and they go, there's death in the pot. There's, and so Elijah throws some, Elisha throws some flour in, and it's all fine. He goes, no, no, it's fine. Well, then you eat. <laughs> you know, so that. Anyway, so they, when we come together in a, in, a, in a journey group, as a group of people who want to serve Jesus, you bring something in. You bring it in and you add it to the pot. And I would just like to encourage you. If you're deliberate, if you're considering how can I spur these people on towards love and good deeds, and if you really come deliberate to stick with it and you make up your heart, I'm going to encourage these people, then whatever you add to the pot has tremendous nutritional value. It really ministers exponential power to uplift and to inspire and to give courage to people. Don't think, as you're sitting there, I don't think I can make that much difference. I promise you, you can. I promise you, you will. But don't come and bring your crabby, ugly self and add it to the pot. Is that, is that all right to say? Can I say? My wife's not here, so I'm just going to whip now. <laughs> the shepherd's not here this morning, so I'm just going to lay into the sheep. She, she's watching from home. Sorry, my love. Uh, <clears throat> Don't bring your grumpy, cynical, ugly self and throw that in our pot. Is that fair? Come to bless. Come to love. Come to spur. Come to encourage. Because when you do, God is cooking up something here that is profound and full of nutrient. And it's going to make a big difference. But I would just encourage you. Come and bring your strength. Get engaged with a group of people who want to serve Jesus. The beauty and the magic and the power of that interaction, mystical, strange, can't really describe how it happens, but that it happens, I know to be true. This is what the scripture says. Engage yourself with other people. Serve other people. 
and your spiritual life will grow. That's just a simple principle of, this, of the scriptures. Let me close in prayer.